Hi, and welcome to Ghost Stories. This is a low-key, fun kind of podcast that's going to attempt to tell some stories that are creepy and spooky, and I'm probably going to make fun of them. Don't be offended. I take all this stuff very seriously at night. Don't forget to follow on Instagram at Ghost Stories Pod. I'll be posting correlating pictures that go along with each one of the stories. Today's episode will be looking at the Winchester Mystery House. The Winchester Mystery House is an old mansion up in San Jose, and you've probably heard of it. It's the house that has stairwells that lead to nowhere, doors that open up to walls, or 10-foot drops. The bizarre house is laid out in such an odd, funhouse manner with secret passages that it's been attracting tourists for decades. Legend has it that Mrs. Winchester built the house in this nonsensical way. That was creepy, but the cat just opened the door to let himself out. Legend has it that Mrs. Winchester built this house in a nonsensical way to try to confuse the ghosts who were trying to haunt her. A lot of the information I got was from actual tour guides. Um, It's actually very exciting. I've been excited to do this episode because I actually visited the Winchester house, so that was really cool. There's this random documentary on YouTube and, of course, Wikipedia. So the documentary is from 1963 by CBS5, narrated by Lillian Gish. This documentary has a really great minute and a half of just trees and sky. Very solid storytelling of the panning trees and sky. Before Lillian Gish speaks, the panning of the trees and sky continues for quite a bit. At first, I thought this was going to be a little cheesy, you know? It's that era where you pan a lot on trees and sky and talk a little bit like this, you see? But it was actually pretty eerie. It just shows shots of the outside of the house, but hearing the legend surrounding it actually made me pretty nervous to visit. I went to the Winchester house a year ago, and this time last year, I'm sure they have it going on too because it's October, they have like this candlelight tour where you can go at night and they add like ghouls and goblins and stuff so it's kind of creepy like to turn a corner and there's like a skeleton just sitting in a chair chilling but they also at the time had this extended tour which if they have it going on i highly recommend just paying the extra money to see this extra part of an older part of the house that was affected by the 1906 earthquake that was a devastating earthquake that hit california um, mostly hit san francisco and the surrounding regions which i'll get into in a bit but It was originally part of the regular tour, but people are jackasses and they touch old shit even when people say don't touch old shit because you damage it. So it was actually super cool. But anyway, who is Mrs. Winchester? Sarah Lockwood Pardee was the daughter of Leonard Pardee and his wife Sarah W. Burns, born around 1840 in New Haven, Connecticut. On September 30th, 1862 in New Haven, Sarah, like not the mom, which I guess is progressive. She was a junior. But Sarah Purdee, Pardee, soon to be Winchester, married William Wirt Winchester. Which, what a name. WWW, baby. I mean, what kind of name is Wirt? Can you imagine being alive today trying to get a URL R for your name? www.www. Anyway, I couldn't get over that. I'm done. I promise. William Wirt Winchester was the only son of Oliver Winchester, the owner of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. They were married in 1862 and had one daughter, Annie Pardee Winchester, who was born on June 15, 1866. 
which I think is cool that her middle name was her mother's maiden name. Again, I'm not sure if that's progressive. I just feel like it is, so I'm going to pretend it is. Annie, who was born June 15th, 1866, died 45 days later. Tabloids at the time said Annie died of marasmus, which is a malnutrition disease where the body wastes away. Very horrific and horrifying, even though it sounds like a Pokemon. Marasmus. In the documentary, it said on the day they buried their daughter, a summer storm struck. They didn't have any more children. Her father died, so Sarah Winchester Jr., her father died in 1880, followed by her husband in March of 1881. In the documentary, he's described as slowly deteriorating from the quote-unquote the disease, which was tuberculosis. The day she buried her husband, another storm struck. After he passed, she inherited $20 million, which is equivalent today to $503,054,901.96. For some reason, I originally had the 2017 conversion rate, and it was like $4 million higher than. Take it or leave it, this is not political. So not only did she inherit 20 mil, but she also owned half the company, which gave her a salary of 1000 a day. And that's of all-timey money. 1000 a day. Bitch be ballin'. Shit. And that's equivalent to $25,359 in 2017 currency. Which I don't know why the art, I, I must have taken that from Wikipedia. Anyway, money, 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 baby. Shit. Sarah Winchester, according to the documentary, always had a fascination with the occult. But of course, due to the times, kept it a secret only with close friends, which honestly, today I feel like there's still a taboo around being involved with the occult. After the death of her husband, she decided to seek guidance from a median. Now, the documentary made it seem like the death of her husband and child happened very close together, and it's not to say that that's, it's not still tragic it happened, but I'm not sure if she sucked out a median? That just sounds wrong. Seeked out a median? Sought. That's the word. Oh my gosh. Yes. She sought out a medium after her daughter's death and her husband's death as... Um, spiritualism was growing in mainstream America at the time. There's, you know, it wasn't totally out there that, like, people would seek mediums to try to grapple with their grief and commune with the dead. I'm going with the version that she ended up seeking the medium after everybody died, because I think that just makes it a little bit easier. It took time for her to grow her connection with her husband and child, but she was able to eventually make a connection with him. If you didn't quite make the connection right away, because I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't make the connection that the Winchester family that we're talking about are the creators of the Winchester rifle. So during this time period, the Winchester rifle factory really took off during the Civil War and ended up preoccupying a lot of her husband's time. And they do still make the Winchester rifle to this day. During one of her seances, when she was communicating with her husband, he said that the victims of the Winchester rifle would come back to haunt her and that she needed to build a house large enough to house all of them. Now, the house they had in Connecticut, you could actually see the factory from outside, like the window. Like, you can go on the balcony 
and she could see the factory, and the documentary calls it a cruel reminder as it's a factory of death. Now, I know guns have become very political, I'm just quoting the article, but it is true that the Winchester factory ended up supplying a lot of guns that killed a lot of people during the Civil War. Now, Sarah decided to get the fuck out of Connecticut, because if you remember in the first episode of the demon murder trial, apparently Connecticut is one of the most haunted places in the country. That's like, get the fuck out. Then she decided to move to the greatest state in the country, California. She ended up buying an eight-room mansion in the Santa Clara Valley that was still under construction. So, she's like, I gotta get away from this factory of death because all these ghosts are gonna come haunt me and I gotta build a big-ass house to fit them all in. But Wikipedia was like, or maybe she just needed to get out of her depression so she decided to change place and get a new hobby. Which isn't bad advice, even though her hobby was amateur architecture. So this is where our story starts to get a little odd. The mansion ended up turning into a seven-story, hundred-room behemoth. At some point, Sarah fired the actual architecture and decided to lay out her own blueprints, and she would use wrappers and napkins for the workers. Rumors of her madness and isolation began to spread throughout the town. Servants and workers who would fire would bring strange stories to people. In her perpetual Tim Burton morning outfit would even bring busybodies, that's what the documentary calls them, to come try to take a look at her. She would wear all black and always had a black morning veil over her face, which I don't blame her. You know, therapy wasn't really a thing, self-help, no one talked about self-care, and she went through a lot. Going back to her fascination with the occult, she was very obsessed with the number 13, and the number 13 was used in many parts of the building, such as there's a stairwell. It's famous. It's a stairwell that literally leads up to a wall. There's not even a door that would open to the wall, but it's just a wall, and there's 13 steps in the staircase. The house didn't really have much of a direction as she continued to build and build and build. Like, literally, the outsides of the house would become the inside walls, and the roofs would become floors as she continued to just build on haphazardly to this building. There are over 10,000 windows, which, who counted? I don't know. It sounds like an awful job, to be honest. And some of the windows are actually on the floors, and others don't even show the outside. They're just in walls or they show other walls. As time passed and as her house became more bizarre, she became more and more of a recluse. Her niece, Marion, came from Connecticut to stay with her and became her liaison for the servants and the workers. Only Marion, and according to the documentary, her Chinese butler, Galo 1963, ever saw her face. The staff knew that she would watch them work throughout the house, and she would actually go through her secret passageways and, like, legit, I want this in my fucking house one day, where you have, like, a portrait that you stare through the eyes. But she'd go around, and she'd watch them, and she would interact with as few people as possible. Over time, however, the staff grew a sense of closeness and loyalty with her. So between their respect of her privacy, the huge hedge, and the wall that surrounded the property, she was finally able to disappear into the ever-growing home. As time went on, even stranger occurrences happened within the house. She had a secret seance room where she would convene with her husband and child. Servants reported hearing the crying of a baby. And on the tour, you get to check out the seance room. And it's pretty cool. Like, there's 
two doors that go into the room and one only enters and one only exits. I think there might be a third door to get out maybe in emergencies, but it's just the design of the house is wild. Now it was like I was saying, it's hard to get in and out of this room, but somehow a server ended up finding a way to sneak in there so she could watch one of the seances because everyone's like, what's happening? And during one of Sarah's seances with her family, the servant saw a disembodied hand appeared and give Sarah an urn, which she drank out of. And now, look, the server couldn't get her shit together. She's got a job on the line, but apparently she ran out of there screaming. So at this point, I want to ask you guys, what kind of building are you imagining right now? Because when I heard about the Winchester Mystery House, I imagined like the shrieking shack from like Harry Potter, something gray and made out of wood and barely standing up and decayed and like, you know, spooky and ooky, that kind of feeling. But honestly, bitch had good taste. Bitch had good taste. Like I'm not playing with you. She had such good, expensive, lavish taste. Like she might've been losing her mind, but she was still a rich white lady from Connecticut. The outside of the house is like this beautiful Victorian style house, which a lot of the area, especially San Francisco, adopted. And they actually had a private event there at the time, which low-key was really annoying because like you weren't allowed in the front of the house, but like I ended up just going. I was like, I'll wait till I get kicked out. It's like I paid money and I traveled to see this place. And it's just beautifully done. It's actually a yellow color and there's like now it's turned to like a gift shop and there's like food areas that you can buy food as food areas tend to have, you know, food. But they have like the servants quarters, a barn and like beautiful gardens. It's just this like gorgeous place. Like from the outside, you're like, that's just a really big, beautiful mansion. You would never guess one, how big it is. Like from the outside, it really doesn't seem like it's going to have hundred, like over a hundred rooms. So on the extended tour, we got to go through the front door. I felt like I was uncharmed because, you know, the style of the house, but honestly, it was just so well decorated and was so nice. Like her tastes were opulent. Like she had ballroom chandeliers, like the Tiffany company did her windows. Like this is the level of like money we are talking about with her taste. On the extended tour, they showed in like some of the older rooms where there was damage that there is actually the wallpaper literally had diamond dust or like crystal dust, but I'm pretty sure it was diamond dust like ingrained into the wallpaper. It's like this beautiful olive color. And when the light hit it, it would just have enough of like a glitter in it. It's just wild. And even though the architecture obviously it didn't make sense. It made sense to Sarah as she was building things to confuse the ghosts and get away from them. Like, didn't make sense. There was actually a very singular fluid design throughout the whole house. And I think that was the most surprising thing to me was that each room felt like you were a part of the same house. Like, it made sense. Which doesn't strike me as the mind of a mad woman. After the completion of one of the two magnificent ballrooms, Sarah, who by this point is an old lady, uh, this is a little further down the story, decided to have a ball. And she was particularly proud of this ballroom and the chandelier in it that had 13 gas lamps. They ordered the finest wine, got the room all decked out. She even hired musicians. And according to the documentary, they read off the names of all the guests 
but there was no one in sight. I imagine it's kind of like, and now here we have the Duke and Duchess of Limbo coming to join us. And yet, you don't see anybody. After performing, the musicians were royally freaked out and got the fuck out of there. And that's the only time there's ever been any entertainment in the house. In 1906, the San Francisco earthquake hit. It was a magnitude of 7.9 and a maximum Morselli intensity. Like shit. Guys, I have no idea what that means, and this isn't an earthquake podcast. But needless to say, it was devastating. It took out a lot of San Francisco. And when I was in San Francisco for Pride, I actually did a haunted murder tour. Our guide was a drag queen, and a lot of stories happened because of the tragedy that came along with the 1906 earthquake. The Winchester house as well suffered greatly, which is why it's now only four stories and not seven. The house... (laughs) obviously wasn't structurally sound, but the part that received the most damage happened to be the most decorative parts that Sarah spent the most money on. Sarah saw it as a punishment for her lavishness and actually ended up leaving the house entirely for several years, though construction never stopped. Where she went and what she did while she was away, I'm not sure. She may have been back home in Connecticut, but she did eventually return to the house and, of course, continued to build. However, this time she was more frantic and haphazard with her building, tearing down and rebuilding many portions of the house. In her old age, Sarah Winchester suffered from very severe arthritis and would stay in her seance room for even longer periods of time for meditation. Now, the arthritis is interesting just because that was actually incorporated to the architecture of the house. There are stairways that were built... So the stairs were only like an inch high, so they were very shallow and long steps that went up as kind of like a ramp and a gradient because she couldn't really lift her knees up. Sarah Winchester was also very small. I don't even think she was five foot. So there are these really interesting stairways that for a person of regular stature without like would be like 10 regular steps up to the next flight. However, for Sarah, she would have to go up these zigzagging stairs with a bunch of shallow steps and very low ceilings because she was the only one who used them. There's actually a section of the house that we went through where there was the option to take the regular stairs or you could take Sarah's stairs. I thought it was pretty interesting and cool. Means her house, she's got the money, why not? Some of the odd things in her house was that there was only one working toilet to confuse the ghosts, and she would sleep in a different room each night for the same reason. In 1922, some workers decided to take a break from playing cards and decided to try some of Mrs. Winchester's whiskey, which, I guess through all this, she still got some booze around, which, honestly, can't blame her at this point. All was quiet in the house. No one had seen her for months. Marion was confused as to why no work was being done, so she went to talk to Sarah. No reply came when she knocked on the door. She opened it to find her aunt dead. She passed away in her sleep, having died of heart failure. Her remains were taken back to New Haven, and she was buried next to her husband and daughter. She left a will with 13 sections that she had signed 13 times. The house was auctioned off to the highest bidder, and within five months of her death, February 1923, the house was open for tourists. Like, that's how interested and invested these people were in this lady. That within five months, it was opened as a tourist attraction. Usually haunted houses and stuff, it's like decades later, someone buys in and opens it up. Tourists, nah. This is 
five months later, like these people are serious. There are roughly 161 rooms, including 40 bedrooms, two ballrooms, one completed, one unfinished, as well as 47 fireplaces, over 10,000 panes of glass, 17 chimneys with evidence of two others, two basements, and three elevators. Mrs. Winchester's property was about 162 acres at one time, but her estate has since been reduced to 4.5 acres, which is just enough to maintain the house and surrounding buildings. I was actually really surprised and was worried I put in the wrong address when I was going to the Winchester house. It's basically in a shopping center. Like, there's literally, like, across the street, there's a Hello Kitty. Going to the house is something I highly recommend because I don't think one can truly understand how bizarre it is until they're there. Literally, you open a door and there's a wall. There's actually this one space where there's three doors that all open to the same, I don't know if you can call it a room, but they open to the same space and they're all like right next to each other and all three of them open up literally to a drop that drops two rooms down and it's like four by four foot like square. There was stairways that led nowhere. There's multiples of those. There were windows that just like looked out to the other wall. It was so interesting and just crazy how it's like there's cabinets in places that made no sense. It's just like so interesting to think of what was going through her mind that she was trying to get away from these ghosts and confuse her that was haunting her. And it's honestly just so cool. And another really cool aspect about the house I wasn't expecting is that it was actually very modern. It had a lot of rare conveniences for its time. These included steam and forced air heating, modern indoor toilets, plumbing, push power gas lights, and Mrs. Winchester's personal and only hot shower from indoor plumbing. There were actually three elevators, which was wild, elevators in the personal home, one was Otis Electric, and one of them was powered by a rare horizontal hydraulic elevator piston. Most elevators use like vertical pistons to save space, but Sarah liked the improved functionality of the horizontal one, and it's gigantic. You can go in and see it. It's huge. But she had the space and the money. She also had this cool system set up where to communicate with servants, there was like these copper pipes that would go through the house so she almost it was like almost like a walkie-talkie system where it's like you talk through the pipe and then it travels through because science and then the other person hears and they're like copy that i'll catch you your tea those are featured a lot in the horror movie of the winchester house starring helen mirren which a lot of the tour guides did not like where I think Mrs. Winchester comes back and she's like creepy ass, like fucking demon ghost thing, you know, like the floating veil and the feminine like haunting thing that's just like really scary. And she always has her like dark decaying fingers coming out of the tubes or something like that. But they're actually a very cool invention. Mrs. Winchester never skipped on any of the adornments. And she believed that those adornments, you know, added to the architectural beauty, like the stained glass windows being from Tiffany. There's actually two uh, specific ones. One that was designed by her, that was a spider's web, and it featured a, like this intricate web design that played around with the repetition of the number 13. And another window, and that window was never installed, is just hanging in the so-called $25,000 storage room. And that got the same because the contents were originally valued at $25,000, and now they're like, well, 2017's money, 
They're valued at 366,000. There's three more zeros after 366. A second window was designed by Tiffany himself, and it was so that when sunlight struck it, a prismatic crystal would cast a rainbow across the room. What's funny is that that window was installed in an interior wall in a room with no light exposure, so that really cool effect never happened. I think one of my favorite parts about the documentary is that it ended on her kindness and generosity. I feel like this is a Halloween podcast and it's very, you know, easy to be like, ooh, look at the creepy haunted lady. But Sarah Winchester was a real woman in pain who still was able to give back to people and was extremely generous. She anonymously donated to many charities, gave food from her garden to underprivileged families, and kept many servants and workers employed for years. She also paid them way above average, and if one of her like staff members couldn't get like a babysitter to take care of their kid, they could bring them to work, and if the kid helped out, the kid would even get paid. Which I know that's like weird child labor laws, but like, look, that was either like, this is like progressive daycare thinking, okay? It's not like you're paying for daycare at work, the kids are getting paid, like let's make some money, people, come on. She was also just very kind and, like, thoughtful. There was, in the washroom, so they didn't have, like, washing machines at the time, but she designed the washing stations with her servants in mind. It's actually cool to see. So, like, the sinks had, like, a built-in, like, washboard, like, ridges, and a place to put the soap, and they were designed in a way that while people were washing, like, hand-washing the laundry it would not be as difficult on their body. Like, they could sit and stand in a way that was really comfortable. And it's that sort of extra mile that someone with this much wealth and opulence and who's struggling with her own mental health or, like, ghosts, depending on what you believe in, went out of her way to think about them. And I hope that's something that you guys can take away from this episode to remember that this was a kind and generous woman. No matter which way you look at it, Sarah Winchester was a haunted woman. The pain and tragedy that she dealt with in her personal life with her husband, father, and infant daughter passing, and the immense guilt she felt from reaping the benefits and getting a vast fortune off the death of other people clearly was something that haunted her. Whether you believe that her empathy and compassion was just so great that it connected her beyond into a different dimension where she could feel the pain of these souls to the point where she wanted to build a house for them and host a ball for them. Or if you believe that just the guilt and tragedy of her life drove her into madness, she was a haunted woman. And she left behind a legacy, a legacy that's more than just a kooky wild mansion with like some fucking fine ass taste. But also a woman who was kind and generous. This is the Winchester Mystery House. Highly recommend if you guys can visit, do it. It's definitely a sight to see. And thank you guys for listening and joining me on this journey. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and rate if you like the podcast. Find it on social media. I'm even on social media, Yasmingasiri. And thank you guys so much for listening. Happy Halloween.